Hello, this is Dr. Jolla Kerpenstein and this is Catbite. Catbite is the summer edition of the Per Podcast. Short, 10-minute little blurbs of, uh, as a matter of fact, of Rhodes, Greece, where we are at ISFM. Um, and we have Kelly. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. I'm really enjoying my time here. The Congress, as well as the setting, is fantastic. And we have a famous speaker here. We so do. we lured someone in our web to talk about <laughs> what she's speaking about. Hi. Um, so I'm here talking about behavioral medicine alongside fantastic colleagues. So we're looking at the interplay between emotional, physical and cognitive health. So what I call the health triad in the sync model of emotional health. So that's what we're talking about. And your name is? Oh, do you want to know who I am? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm Dr. Sarah Heath. Um, I'm a veterinary specialist in behavioral medicine based in the UK. And that's wonderful, Sarah. And I, I you know, I was, we were talking with previous guests on this Catbite uh, show that about the interconnectivity of so many different disciplines here talking about cat behavior and cat cognitive function so so what is your role here well i guess my role is to talk about the fact that behavioral medicine is the veterinary discipline that looks all three um, and really promotes health care in a veterinary context to be physical, emotional and cognitive. Um, and that's really what behavioural medicine is all about. So it's about not just the um, not just behavioural presentations, that's probably what you think of if you say as a vet who does behaviour, yeah. you probably think about behavioural presentations, the peeing cat and the cat that's being in conflict with its housemates or whatever. But I think what we're showing so clearly at this conference is that it's so much more than that. Behavioural medicine is also about physical health. It's also about cognitive health. We work with Ethel UTD cats, which we talked about this morning with Danielle yeah. Gamore. We, t- we deal all the time with neurology cases, so work very closely with my dear friend Claire Rusbridge. And we also work with Matt Gurney, who very sadly isn't here in person. But Matt, we miss you. I um, know. So he's virtually here on a big screen, but <laughs> it's really not the same. Yes, yes, yes. He's mainly doing the cat pain thing. Eh? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So we need to get him on the podcast for sure, because he has some really interesting approaches to that. Uh, that uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm always, you know, flabbergasted with how simple some of his approaches are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think Matt has um, been an amazing influence in my life, and I think for many other people, he's his approach to chronic pain management, particularly obviously, he deals with acute pain as well. But in our field, very much our work on chronic pain, and we now run a pain clinic uh, within our practice. So yeah. we used to be um, a behavioural medicine practice, you know, just doing behavioural presentations referred to us although we often deal with medical physical conditions because they're present but we also now run a pain clinic and have a veterinary physiotherapist on our team Um, and very much our our pain clinic is very much thanks to everything I've learned from Matt. Oh, that's amazing. I really like this concept that he has of the zero pain for cats. I like love that. something that we really that. need to all strive for. Yeah, yeah. and I think Absolutely. for owners, it's really difficult to recognize pain. So we need to do a lot of education here. Yeah, you can't diagnose chronic pain in a consulting room, I think, is a really important thing to remember, that you must have access to other information not just what you see in the consulting room um, and so yeah my interest in in pain obviously came through my behavioral medicine cases where we see you know, 
well, the, the percentages are, are very um, sort of different in different publications. So it was a very, very important publication in 2020 from Daniel Mills and colleagues yeah. um, showing that between 25% and 83% of cases presenting with a behavioural change have a pain um, focus of some sort. And what's really important is it's not all OA. <laughs> yeah. It can be, as we talked about this morning, we talked about FLUTD, and it can be visceral pain, it can be dental pain. It can be neuropathic pain, obviously, the, the sort of cases that um, Claire has been talking about. Yeah. Pain is so much more than OA, although OA obviously incredibly important because it's so common. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if, if you reflect it to yourself, there's so many little pains that you think about that we then can understand, but a cat probably can't. And so that causes st- stress. Although stress is not, I learned that stress is not really a word that we can talk about anymore, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to be careful how yes. we use that word. It's very overused yeah. um, and used in the wrong context. But um, but yeah, absolutely. I think what you're pointing out there is it's not in control. Yeah. See, we have all these things uh, and we can modify our own mm. environment. I can move to a bungalow if it hurts me to go upstairs or I can live in a quieter location if I'm worried about noise. But... Our domestic pets, our animals who are living with us in our world, are controlled by us in ways that we sometimes don't think about, which means they can't modify their own environment. We've got to do it for them. We can't modify their emotional input. We have to do it. You know, they can't do it on their own. They need yeah. us to understand and help them because we dictate so much for them. Mm-hmm. And I often hear like people talking about how cats very much live in the moment too. So if they're in pain... Like, we might have an injury, and we know that in a couple of weeks we're going to be better, but cats don't see that, right? They don't look into the future and say, well, if I just hang on, I'm going to be fine. So how does that sort of play into how we take care of them as well? Yeah, we don't know enough yet about cognitive function in non-human animals, um, so we tend to think that us human animals are special. Those of us you who've ever heard me speak before I'm will <laughs> know that I don't believe that. I do not believe humans are special in any way. We're just another animal. Um, but I think we have to remember, when we do cognitive research, we never find out that non-human species can do less than we thought. Just, right. just sit with that one. Right, yeah, um, let that we, one sink down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So we need to be a little bit careful about what we assume. But certainly they do experience it now, but they also have the potential of memory formation, which influences what happens later. Yeah. So although we have to manage them in the here and now, so their emotional state can be the best it can be for them at the moment... We also do need to remember, especially as clinicians, so if we're handling cats, for example, the way we do that, um, the way that elicits a pain response, isn't just going to affect this consultation, it's going to affect memory formation and what that animal's going to perceive about a veterinary environment. You know, months down the line, a year down the line, that memory will have been formed. So it is it is a thing to think about now. It's also a thing to be aware of what happens later. Right. And the other thing that I, you know was quite an eye-opener for, for me, and I'm just a simple surgeon, so uh, a lot of things are eye-openers here, but um, it was the fact that uh, we always think a cat is stressed, you know, when it's in the hospital, but you look at it completely differently. You have different terminology how you interpret how a cat looks or behaves. It's really more behavior that you're focused on and then you interpret that behavior or you, you know, 
uh, stress that behavior by things that you're doing to a cat. Yeah, so, <clears throat> so I developed the SYNC model of emotional health in about 2010, and the idea of that was to have a way of understanding that emotional health is complex, yeah. it has a valence to it, i.e. protective emotions and engaging emotions, but it also has arousal, um, yeah. we'll talk about that more tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but yes, I look at what the animal is doing, but because I'm a medic... Um, yeah. I want to know why, yeah. because that's what medics do. Um, so having that why is that happening um, and needing to make a differential diagnosis, needing to approach this as a medicine case, um, leads to that, well, what's underpinning that? And, and that will be emotional motivation and arousal, but it will also be cognition and physical health. So yeah. it then takes you back to the health triad. And I love that, I love that because... Our actions will cause reactions in the cat, and if you understand those reactions, it probably helps you not to do certain actions. Yeah, absolutely. The whole basis of Cat Friendly Clinic, happy birthday, Cat Friendly Clinic, Yay. 10 years old, Yay. Um, and what a life changer that's been. Um, but the whole point of Cat Friendly Clinic is to say, you know, this veterinary experience is happening to the cat, the caregiver, and the veterinary professional, all of us are involved. But what we do has a massive influence on what happens next so if we do tightly restrain or if in the past and it must be in the past people scruffed that should never be happening now but if that was happening and we engage in restraint that is actually painful but also emotionally restrictive and then we limit the ability of that animal to use avoidance or inhibition or other useful behavioural responses, yeah. then they will become frustrated as well. And frustration is an emotion that leads to confrontation. So we can't be surprised if we do things that induce pain, fear, frustration, yeah. that then we get bitten. It's like, yep, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense yeah. here. This has been great. We're already at uh, 10 minutes. So thank you so much for being on this cat bite. Uh, thank you, Dr. Yeah, Kelly. Thank you, Dr. And, uh, so nice uh, to yeah, chat with you. Yeah, this is awesome. So thank, thank you. Thank you.